Turn with me tonight to the book of Hebrews. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 1. I remember one of our ministers. I'll not mention any names because he's well known. And he met me one day and we're having a wee chat. And he said to me, what do you call a meal tea bag? I'm going, a meal tea bag? I never heard of it. I've heard of Tetley and Panjana. A meal tea bag? He says, I don't know. He said, Hebrews. Now you know who that was. All right. Okay. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's read from verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels saith he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God Worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hand. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But the witch of the angels said he at any time, Sit in my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Are they not all ministering spirits, sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now, my text tonight is taken from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10 to 12, and my theme this evening that I've mentioned, I've entitled Understanding the Truth About Climate Change. Now, this evening, I want to focus on a truly biblical perspective on climate change. One of the buzzwords and the lips of many today in the media and beyond is climate change. And if you listen to the TV, Newscaster, Sky, BBC, ITV, and other media outlets, 
you will have heard them use the term, especially since the month of August, but before that, but especially since then, you'll have heard the term climate change. Climate change, they'll tell you, is coming. Climate change is here. Climate change is affecting all of us. You'll hear the story of how the permafrost in the Ant or the Arctic is thawing. And it's not only thawing, but it's releasing dangerous amounts of uh, certain gases. You'll hear about volcanic eruptions in the Canary Islands. You'll hear about forest fires in Australia, droughts in Africa, floods in parts of the United States of America, Greece, Europe, weather patterns extreme in the United Kingdom. There's going to be tsunamis, earthquakes and famines. And you'll even hear the news saying that the 20th century was the warmest since records began. And when did records begin? About 1870. Keep that in mind. Now these headlines that we're all hearing, that headline is stirring up a lot of fear, worry and anxiety and pain among the listeners. And you see, when the newscaster uses the term climate change, well, surely we have the right to ask, well, what do you mean? Are you equating climatic changes with global warming? Because they are. And you see, what they're telling us is this, that the world is warming globally faster than even the scientists have feared. Let me quote from the United Nations Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, the 9th of August, 2021, he was speaking after the Intergovernmental Panel for Climate Change reported, and he said, and I quote, that report is a code red for humanity. He added that it is unequivocal that human beings are driving the warming of the earth. Many livelihoods will be at risk. We need drastic action to stop it. The glaciers are melting. The mountain peaks are being exposed. The Arctic is going to be ice-free from 2050. Sea levels will rise by two meters by um, the year 2200. There will be a failure of ecosystems all over the world. Leading countries of the world, the industrial world, the UK, Germany, China, Russia, India, Brazil, the US, he argued, must strive to keep temperature rises below 1.5 centigrade. Therefore, there must be deep cuts in CO2 emissions. A professor by the name of Tim Palmer from the University of Oxford, he said this, if we don't halt our emissions, soon our future climate will become some kind, I quote, hell on earth. He was talking about floods, fires, mass migration, huge chunks of the earth becoming unhabitable. I read a report recently that if there's a 4% rise in temperature, not 1.5, then there'll only be about five countries left in the world where people can live. The good news is, if he's right, 
The UK is one of those countries. A man by the name of Matthew Bell from the CBI, he's the chief policy director, said after the UN report, if anybody still had any doubt about the scale of climate change, then this report must surely put those to bed. He argued that the United Kingdom must take the lead, listen to this, establish policies and tax frameworks to make net zero emissions possible. The Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Boris Johnson, in relation to the UN report, said it makes for sobering reading. He added, we know what must be done to limit global warming. Now, we are going to ask the Prime Minister, well, Mr. Prime Minister, what must be done? And here's the answer. Now, listen to me carefully. Keep fossil fuels in the ground. In other words, let's consign coal to history. An end of deforestation. So stop cutting down trees. Move to clean, renewable energy to protect the environment. And provide climate finances for the country and other countries on the front line. Now many today are focused on what is being said about climate change and global warning. And because of what they're hearing, they're in a state of panic and in a state of fear over this. But there are those of us, ministers included, but some scientists and politicians are rightly asking, well, what are the actual facts about climate change? Where is the truth in all this? I'm an avid fan of Answers in Genesis. I visited their website often. And there's a guy there called Dr. Alan White. And he asks three important questions. Let me just read those questions. We'll deal with them later. Is this latest temperature rise outside of the normal variation of the climate question? And of course the answer is no. Secondly. Is the increased concentration of CO2, that's carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, the cause of the latest temperature rise? And his answer is no. Three, are the current mathematical models that the scientists use of the climate useful for predicting the future? And of course I think we know the answer. And it's no. You see, tonight I'm approaching this subject from a biblical perspective. My starting point is the word of God. God's word has to be the true starting point for any discussion on climate change and we'll call it global warming. Not the starting point of a godless world. You see, it's not merely what the scientists say, even though they're educated and experts in their field, and I acknowledge that better than I am. I'm not fit to untie their shoes. But I want to set to the one side what the scientists say, and I want to hear what the Scripture says. I want to let the Bible speak, because we need to look at the Scriptures for our light and comfort in any subject. 
And surely we should not be filled with fear. Or surely we not, should have not a dread of the future. We, we should be not filled with anxiety and panic and terror because we hear the term climate change and think of floods and fires and mass migration and so on and so forth. And tonight, if you're a true believer in Christ who believes in the inerrancy and the authority and the certainty of the word of God, then I would urge you, fill your heart and mind with that word. Don't allow fear and dread and panic and worry to control you. Because my starting point tonight, as I've said, I'm emphasizing again, is a biblical worldview. And here's the reality. Climates do change. Climates have changed in the past. Climate is changing in the future. You think of the impact of Noah's flood. Do the scientists believe in the universal flood in Noah's day? No, they do not. What about the ice age that followed that flood? And you see, the impact of that on the climate, the impact of that on the earth itself, and that even impacts, if you think about the Noah's flood and the ice age that followed, the data that can be collected from the earth in, in light of that. And of course, that's what Answers in Genesis team are about. And they're using a biblical worldview and they keep the truth of God's word in their mind. And from that perspective, then they set forth their analysis on climate change and global warming. Now, when you think about understanding the truth about climate change, I have three things I want to try and teach you tonight. I want you to think, first of all, that Jesus Christ is the creator of the world. If you look at our text, it says, And thou, Lord, verse 10, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hand. See, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews to encourage God's people not to quit, not to give in to fear, not to give up their Christian faith or to quit the Christian life. He wanted them to get their eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. So he sets forth the supremacy of Jesus Christ in his person and the superiority of Jesus Christ in his work. He, he sets out to prove that Jesus Christ is better, greater than the angels, even the archangels. He's greater and better than Melchizedek, greater and better than Abraham, Moses, Aaron, and even Aaron's sons that followed him into the priesthood, and the whole of the Levitical priesthood with its priests and sacrifices. Why? Why does he stand head and shoulders above them all? Why is he greater and better than them all, even the angels? And he's proving that in chapter 1. Here's the answer. Because he is their creator and maker. Angels. Melchizedek, Abraham, Moses, Aaron, they all owe their existence to him. For in him they move and live and have being. Here's the Apostle Paul, and he's quoting from Psalm 102. And he's telling us, and thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth. And if you go back to Psalm um, 102 and look with me there, it says in Psalm 102, in verse 24, I said, O my God, take me not away in the midst of my days. Thy years are throughout all generations. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hand. See, in the context here, the psalmist was addressing 
Oh my God. And then he talked about in the beginning has laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of thy hands. And the Apostle Paul took that scripture in the context, oh my God, from verse 24, and he applied it to the Lord Jesus. And he said, and thou, Lord. If we keep in mind that Jesus Christ is creator and maker tonight, remember the scripture says, Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John 1 1 to 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. We have already preached in the past in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, but the text shall be worth quoting here. Colossians 1 16, for by Him, that's Jesus Christ, remember. For all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. The word consist means by him they're all held together. See, in the context, the psalmist is addressing God. Oh, my God. And he's telling the Lord what he has already done. And Paul takes that up under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and attributes that work to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, and thou, Lord, in the beginning. He adds the words, in the beginning. Even though the psalmist said of old, it's taken us back to eternity. It's a reference to his eternality. Jesus Christ is the eternal creator of the whole material universe. This universe is not a product of the Big Bang. It's not a product of random chance. Now ask yourself, is that the worldview of the majority of scientists? They don't start with God as creator, as eternal creator. They reject Genesis 1 and 1. In fact, they reject a young earth. See, the problem with the climate change debate, it's this, it leaves out God. It has no place or room for him. And those who are climate change alarmists and climate change activists, they ignore God and ignore Jesus Christ and ignore the fact that he's the eternal creator and maker of all things. And that's the true starting point for any debate. So don't be afeard. Don't be alarmed. Don't be in panic about climate change. And here's one of the reasons. Because Jesus Christ is the creator of the world. Let me tell you something else tonight. Jesus Christ is the controller of the world. If you look at verse 11, it says, Hebrews 1 verse 11, they shall perish, speaking about the earth, the heavens, but thou remainest. It says, and they all shall wax old of doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. You see, the teaching of the scriptures is this, that this eternal God, our Lord Jesus Christ, who created the world, controls the world. Now, does that make sense to you? 
the God who made everything is in absolute sovereign control of everything because by him everything is held together. And this includes the weather. And the climatic changes in the earth and its atmosphere are all under his control. And if I go back to the book of Psalms there, let me read from Psalm 115 and in the verse 3. And this is what the word of God says. Psalm 115 and verse 3. But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. If I add in then Psalm 148, I'm reading from verses 8 through to 13. Fire and hail, snow and vapors, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heavens. And back there in Psalm 104, speaking about the earth, and we were singing it there in that lovely hymn, hymn number 48. This is what the scripture says in verse 10. He sendeth the springs into the valleys, which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their inhabitation, which sing among the branches. He watereth the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth. And wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he hath planted, where the birds make their nests. As for the stork, the fir trees are their home. You see, life will not end as we know it on this earth due to climate change. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the controller of the world that he made. And remember that lovely promise, and we often have thought about it at the harvest time, Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. You see, one day this world is going to end, and we know how it's going to end. God will judge the earth again by fire. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. This world is reserved for God's judgment by fire. He's judged it already in Noah's day by flood, but in 2 Peter 3 and 7, he's reserved it for a judgment by fire. Now, let me just add this, in case the young people here maybe are a wee bit confused. Our environment is very important, and I believe we have a duty to care for the earth and its precious resources. So if you're at Port Rush and having a picnic, then take your litter home or put it in the bin, provide it. Recycle as much as possible. Don't throw plastic in the ocean. Deforestation, I believe, must be and should be properly managed. So if you cut down trees, then we plant trees to replace them. 
It's important that we have clean air to breathe. You wouldn't want to be going down into Belfast and uh, struggling to breathe because of the, the quality of the air, either coming from chimneys or coming from car exhaust. You see, I believe there's a balance between God's sovereignty and human responsibility. They're not mutually exclusive. I believe they go together. We have an obligation and a duty to look after the earth. The Lord has given us the earth in Adam. He's given us dominion over the creation. We are his stewards, and therefore we're, we're accountable to him. And, and the mindset should be, as Christians, we are to care for the whole of creation for God's glory and for our good. Isn't it wonderful? God has given us 365 fear knots, not to be afraid. 365 times. In fact, the late Dr. Paisley said there was 366. One for each day of the year, even one for the leap year. Now, when God says something, not once but twice, but repeats it 365 or 366 times, then we should pay attention. You see, the headlines are full of fear, aren't they? Rumors of war, reports of natural disasters, fear of a global pandemic, climate change, higher energy bills, gas bills, petrol shortages, shortage of lorry drivers now, food in their shelves, well, it's going to be scarce. There'll be little in the shelves for Christmas. Turkeys are going to be a problem. Christmas dinner's threatened. Well, well who's going to be uh, uh, alarmed at that? Well, we, 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 we all are. But the Lord would come and say to us tonight, let it go. Don't be ruled by fear. See, the opposite of fear is faith. And the scripture says we're to have faith in God. Why? Because he's not only our creator, he's in control. And we turn to him, we, we trust in him, we, we talk to him, and we let him fill our hearts and minds with his peace. Why did he tell us to fear not? Because he's in sovereign control. And I believe in the absolute sovereignty of God. And I believe God is foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. And thank God I'm not a deist. I don't believe God made the world and left it to run on its own mechanism. The world is not in absolute chaos. The world is under his sovereign control. Even the devil and the demons in hell operate under his command and authority. So please don't be swayed by sound bites. And don't be swayed by fake news. I'm not saying I believe everything that Donald Trump says, but he's right. There's a lot of fake news out there. You see, here's God's promise. What did he tell us? Away back in the beginning, what did he tell us? While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. We're going to continue to have our seasons. We'll continue to be able to be grow food. We'll be able to continue to live out our lives. See, there's something to remember. Notice thirdly, Jesus Christ is the carer of this world. See, the Bible talks about a land that the Lord thy God careth for from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Now, primarily, of course, that's the land of Israel. 
but is wide enough to include the rest of the planet. And the primary focus on the planet should be the people that live in that planet whom God has made in his image. You see, God cares not only for the planet, but cares for the people. Now think of this. You'll have to give me five minutes or so. Remember Dr. White's questions. Is the latest temperature rise outside the normal variation of the climate? And the short answer is no. You see, when we think of climate, you've got to ask, well, what are they talking about? A long-term weather pattern in a particular geographical area. The time period to gather the average is a 30-year period. That's what we should be focusing in on. And there is no doubt that the global climate is changing. It has changed in the past. Noah's flood, the ice age. It will change in the present. But I want to tell you it hasn't changed that much. If you listen to answers in Genesis scientists, it hasn't changed that much in over 400 years. And from the uh, medieval period, in fact, they would tell you that the normal climate variation is about 0.8 degrees over the past 2,000 years. You see, it's a fact that temperature has been in the range twice before that they are now. And we need to understand, Dr. White argues, something of the cause of this normal variation. Way back years ago, the earth went through a period of cooling and heating up again. Cooling and heating up again. That's why he says no. Secondly, is the increased concentration of CO2, carbon dioxide, in the atmosphere the cause of the latest temperature rise? And he again, he argues no. This is contrary to the scientific world. This is contrary to the International Panel on Climate Change, the report for the United Nations. They argued that human-generated greenhouse gases are the major cause of rising temperatures. So we want to ask them, well, what's driving it? And here's their answer. Industrial revolution. Listen carefully. Population growth. Emerging economies. Economics. And farming techniques. I heard a woman saying that by 2030 there's going to be no farming in Northern Ireland. Hmm. CO2 emissions. Methane. Nitrous oxide. These are the dominant causes of global warming since the middle of the 20th century. That's from 1950. So says the scientists. Dr. White wants to ask them this question. What is the cause of global warming in AD 200? AD 500 to AD 1000? AD 1700 to 1750? And from A.D. 880 to 1950. In those epochs, global temperature was in decline. And you think of the, the medieval warm period to the Little Ice Age, it was in decline. Temperature rise, he argues, preceded the rise in CO2 emissions. 
And he argues that there's no real human correlation between human activity, the burning of fossil fuels, and global warming. I've learned something that I didn't know, and it's always good to admit that, but CO2 is very important to life on Earth. It's important that the photosynthesis and plants design stay in the CO2 range, he argues, of 180 ppm. He said that scientists should be worried not about the high levels, but about lower levels. Because the high levels is good for plant life. His third question is this, is it hard to make predictions based on computerized models? You see, we know that computerized models more often than not are wrong. Have we not seen it with the COVID models? The truth is that the climate of the earth is very complicated. And models, especially computerized models, when you feed information into a machine, overestimate the global temperature. They've done it in the past, and they're doing it at the present, and they'll do it in the future. Whenever I was a boy, let's come back a wee while, in the 1970s, there was a concern for global cooling. The temperature was in decline in 1970. And they talked about that almost up to the millennium. So for 30 years, if you look at the media and listen to the media broadcasts and, and look at the, the papers then, there was a concern for global cooling. We're going to have the next ice age. Do you know at a time in the past they farmed in Greenland? It's now covered with ice and snow. Do you know that in the past they skated on the River Thames? Think of this. As creationists, we have to accept the fact that the global flood in Noah's day and the ice age that followed radically changed the earth and its climate. How does the Lord Jesus care for the earth as we wrap this up? Do you know the sun? It's the right distance from the earth. What if it moved further back? What if it come closer? We would freeze or fry. Because it's at the right distance from the earth, we get the right amount of light and the right amount of heat. Do you know that the sun's surface is the right temperature to provide that light? Here's another fact. The CO2 methane from natural gases causes a greenhouse effect over the whole earth. And it establishes to raise the earth's temperature by about 59 degrees Fahrenheit. And if it didn't, the earth would freeze. Now, is that not control and care for the earth? Is it not a fact that animal life and plant life are totally dependent on each other? Plants grow by consuming carbon dioxide and releases oxygen. Animals grow by consuming the oxygen and releasing carbon dioxide. They shouldn't be concerned about cows or any other cattle releasing carbon dioxide. It's a fact that oceans have a great stabilizing effect over the earth and its temperature. Do you know that the oceans contain a large reservoir of CO2? You think of the hydrological cycle, Job 38 and 25. You think of that hydrological cycle, how it provides a mechanism for transferring heat right around the earth. 
You think of the clouds. They helped to control the earth's temperature mentioned in the book of Job 37 verse 16. The clouds reflect the sun's ray back into space. The clouds absorb the heat radiated from the earth and deposit it in rain in different parts of the earth. And it's all part of God's great design and part of God's care for the world. You see, these created things, the, the, the sun, the, this um, uh, greenhouse effect that's over the whole of the earth, the animal, the plant life, the oceans, the hydrological cycle, the clouds, they're all testifying of the eternal power and Godhead of our God. And what does the scientist do, friends? They blame mankind for every ill in society. Could I give you a little hint as we finish? When you think of climate change, global warming as they talk about, You've got to think of the big money in climate change issues. Who profits from climate change ideology as proclaimed by the government? Is it not always the politicians, the millionaires, the billionaires who, who invest in green energy projects and then make a fortune as the stocks rise? We could name politicians in the US. We could name politicians in the United Kingdom. And they're pushing for population control. They're pushing for access to full abortion and demand. They're pushing to, to green energy. They're pushing for cuts in CO2 emissions. Why? Because they have got stakes in many of these uh, companies, these green energy companies. And they're pushing for change. And I want to say tonight this as we finish. Jesus Christ is our creator and maker. Jesus Christ is controller even of our very lives and his destiny. The day of our birth, the day of our death, the very life that we live, the breath that we breathe, it's in his hand. And I want to tell you something else. Jesus Christ cares for not only the planet, but he cares for the people that live in the planet. Do you know that one day this world is going to be saved? One day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And the curse that came upon it in Genesis 3.17 is going to be lifted. And it's going to be lifted through redemption. And, and Christ's great work of redemption. And of course the ultimate thing about redemption is not only the salvation of the planet. Romans chapter 8 verse 22-23. But the salvation of precious souls. And it's important tonight as we finish, our time is gone, it's important that you remember that you have a creator. Someone who made you, because you're made in God's image. It's important to remember you have a soul and you need to be saved. Important to remember you're a sinner. And you've broken God's law and you're living in rebellion to him. And it's as if the Lord has given you life and enough rope to um, carry on living before he reigns that in. And calls time in your earthly existence. Remember the Bible says this as we finish. Repent ye. And believe the gospel. Do you believe the good news of redemption? That there is a redeemer who has come. Who cares for you deeply. Your sin. And he wants to save you. And he just calls you tonight. Repent. And be converted. Will you repent tonight? Will you be converted to the praise of his name? May the Lord take these few thoughts. We're going to sing just one verse, Sister Barbara. 390, dear Savior, thou art mine. You've been very patient. 
Now, I've opened up a can of worms. I know in climate change, there's many things I haven't dealt with. It's a very big subject. I point you to answers on Genesis' website if you want further answers. But if you're concerned and want to talk to me, then feel free to come and do so. 390, just sing the first verse and the chorus, and we'll have a wee prayer. <laughs>